Hello, everybody. We are here on the Bald Move Prestige Film Podcast. A scandal. Somehow, the 1996 action spy thriller, The Long Kiss Goodnight, starring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson, snuck it onto the Prestige list. Mm-hmm. I am innocent as a, as a newborn lamb in this. I thought, by this film's reputation, it's 25th anniversary, I think, coming up on this year, or it was last year. I thought that this was more of a serious kind of James, uh, 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 Jason Bourne type of flick. This thing is Looney Tunes. And <laughs> sure. all I can say is we put this before the executive producer, the the, the Bald Move board of directors, and they rubber stamped it prestige. I, mm-hmm. You know, we're pretty anti-prohibition here, but I feel like maybe we should look into the Coke budget for the executive producer's room. Yeah, uh, the meth pipe budget, the the whatever they're doing there is is really clouding their judgment. I, I don't I don't know how this got to be prestige, but uh, it is. Uh, this movie is directed by Rennie Harlan. Uh, when you hear Harlan, that's the har mark of quality because uh, he's directed Nightmare on Elm Street Four, The Dream Master, Die Hard Two, Cliffhanger, okay. The Long Kiss Goodnight, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Got to love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Shane Black. You might remember him. He also wrote Lethal Weapon, The Last Boy Scout, Last Action Hero. I like all those movies. The Long Kiss Goodnight. He also directed his first ever movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in 2005. Also wrote and direct Iron Man. Uh, I like one of those movies. It stars Gina Davis, as we mentioned. Uh, you've seen Gina Davis in a bunch of stuff. She's had a long career. Tootsie, The Fly. We just saw that on Cinema Sundays last weekend. Beetlejuice, Earth Girls Are Easy, Thelma and Louise, League of Their Own, recently was uh, seen in uh, the, the series Glow on Netflix. Stars Samuel L. Jackson. He, that man needs no introduction. He's a fucking badass. Uh, Patrick Malahide as the CIA director. Uh, he's was Balin Greyjoy on HBO's <laughs> Game of Thrones. That's the only reason I, I, I knew this guy. Huh. Um, Craig Bierko, who looks like six different dudes. If you look up his headshots on IMDb, he's also in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the 13th floor Cinderella man, did a lot of late 90s, early 2000s work. Brian Cox. What's he been in recently, Jim? Nothing. Never heard of it. Nothing. Uh, he fucking did X-Men the, the, to the last stand and this just kicked off, I think. He's not, not been anything else. Not, nothing I'm currently watching, but yeah, I hear he's in Succession. Pretty good in that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Really? I'll have to check that out one of these days. <laughs> uh, he's also in Rob Roy, Braveheart, The Boxer. Uh, we just saw that recently in Rushmore, that as well. And David Morse, who I like a lot. Uh, you see him in The Rock, 12 Monkeys, Contact, Green, Dr- Green Mile. He was in season two of uh, uh, True Detective as right. Annie's dad, uh, possible cult leader. I don't know. You have to watch season two of True Detective to find out. What what did you think of The Long Kiss Goodnight? Uh, I enjoyed watching The Long Kiss Goodnight. I, I'm kind of into what Shane Black writes most of the time. Uh, haven't seen a lot of his stuff after looking through his catalog, but the Lethal Weapon obviously stands out uh, as the big one. Uh, and I really like the Lethal Weapon movies. I think they're pretty well written. Um, he, he has like this sort of over the top style um, in a lot of his stuff, which is you fine by say. me. I, I don't know if after watching several of his things, I would call them prestige, but I don't know what else to call them because they're usually 
somewhat grounded, right? Like Lethal Weapon is even more grounded than this movie. This movie is kind of sure bonkers by comparison. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. He's he's the guy. When I think of Shane Black, I think of oh, he's going to write something that happens in on or around Christmas because yeah, he just oh. loves that setting. He it, does, doesn't he? Totally. He, yeah. He like every one of his movies is happens like a few days before Christmas. I'm I'm actually pissed because I felt like we burnt a fun Christmas live watch movie. We could have rolled this out for another actiony Christmas movie if like you uh-huh. know we could find another one or two that kind of pair up for some Christmas. Because um, yeah, this is a full on Christmas uh, movie. This this movie starts with the Christmas song, Christmas songs throughout. There's a climactic mm-hmm. piece where this is the type of film. I don't know if you call this prestige, but it involves Gina Davis. Grabs onto a length of Christmas tree lights and cuts it with a big knife. Uh, and this Christmas tree lights has suspended a flaming corpse for like the last five minutes. This mm-hmm. flaming corpse is a counterweight that sends her rocketing to the top of wherever she's going. On the way down, she grabs the gun off the belt of the smoldering flaming corpse, r- rockets to the top, the apex of her Christmas light voyage level with a guy who's in a helicopter mm-hmm. and she shoots him and kills him in the helicopter. Oh, and all this is happening uh, on the bridge spanning Niagara Falls. <laughs> so yes, the friendship, I think it was at the peace bridge or the friendship bridge between yeah, us and Canada no. with, with a, uh, uh, some kind of high explosive in, in the balance. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy movie. Um, I don't, there's like, there's a kind of a weird political angle, or at least it feels Uh like it when you got the CIA involved, but it's like a six-year-old's understanding of, like, politics and international fuckery. Um, It's it's just a, it's just a loose plot that um, assembles a bunch of, I think, impressive for the time stunt scenes. I mean, some Mm -hmm. of these stunts and, and special effects were impressive. The problem is they are so insane. There, sure. There's like the Matrix kind of stuff, and there's nothing super powered. I guess Gina Davis is like um, a James Bond type, but she goes beyond like James Bond shit. Like this is, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, Neo in the Matrix definitely has some um, some almost borderline supernatural abilities with weapons uh, and things like that. But yeah, no, I but I enjoyed the movie. Like I I thought it was fun. Yeah, uh, I have really no complaints about it. I think Sam Jackson is excellent in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Gina Davis is awesome. I I really like the style of Shane Black's writing. I don't know that all of his jokes hit every time, but there's something edgy about what he's writing that works for me. This this is this is the man who brought us the gift of Dick, this is nuts uh, from Die Hard <laughs> 2. And there's definitely some dialogue that's along the, those lines. Yeah. You know, I think of like the chefs do that line. Mm-hmm. Um, Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of things like that where uh, I, I can't believe I'm seeing, you know, the words, uh, that's not a dick, that's a duck. Uh-huh. Um that that appeared in it. I'm trying to think of the one. I'm, I'm scrolling through my notes to try to find the actual um line reading that 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 cracked me up. But uh yeah, I don't know. It's um it's a really you know what it's like? There's a, we we get together uh once a month or so and we screen a couple movies um with our wives in our house and um 
we call it double turn weekends and and i forget we we did that because there was one weekend the first time we did it we watched like what jurassic park and something else that laura dern was in yeah and we we each what we do is we each couple bring uh, a movie to movie night yeah uh, for the other couple to kind of like watch for the first time or for everyone to watch for the first time Uh we didn't realize that each of us were bringing a movie with laura dern in it and it just so happened that we did so we started calling it double dern friday but but we kind of lean into like usually have one that's kind of decent but one is like just like a ridiculous you know kind of like lady terminator or even like killjoy kind of level event and this feels like a big budget version of like the lady terminator you know like the plot is fully checked out in terms of the brain deadness the action is like unbelievable but it's competently it's it's well done and uh yeah, it's uh, if, if you're a fan of Gina, Gina Davis, and I definitely count myself as one. It's it's certainly entertaining. It's not edifying. It's it's not adult. Um, well, I mean, it's it's adult in its language, but but yeah. yeah. What else do we want to? Um, what else do we want to say about this in terms of non spoilers before we kind of like get into the deep dive? Uh, not a ton. I, I want to talk about specific scenes because uh, there are some that are funny, some that are kind of cool. Um, yeah, but maybe we should tell people what the movie's about and then we can get into it. This movie's got a lot of interesting DNA. Like we said, it's a Christmas movie. It also has a lot in common with like um, Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill series, uh, because this is about a lady who is um, seems to be a standard housewife. She's a she's a school teacher, but she's got this weird thing where uh, her life began eight years ago. She washed up on a beach. She suffers from this peculiar type of amnesia that locks away whatever her life was before that. Uh, and she's just kind of living her life oblivious to what happened, you know, trying to, to piece together. She's hired Samuel Jackson, who's kind of disreputable private eye to find that information about her uh, old life. And she is seen on television during a Christmas uh, celebration, a town Christmas celebration where she dresses up as Miss, Mrs. Claus by, it turns out one of her old mortal enemies because she was a top secret, secret agent for many, many years. Uh, she regains those memories in about the end of the first act. And then it's all about trying to figure out what the hell's going on, trying to keep herself alive, trying to keep her daughter that she's, that she's had uh, breathing and uh, straddle the, the life between the old one she led and the blood soaked one that she had before. Um, That's the movie. That's the movie. And the bad guys are C the CIA. Uh-huh. And they're total incompetent shitbirds, and they're doing everything not in the pursuit of any American interest or ideal, but for increased funding. For funding. So, so this is where it is actually like the Jason Bourne series, right? The, that basic premise of the CIA coming after their own operative after that's also very Jason Bourne. Yeah. Is very Jason Bourne, uh, but that's kind of where it ends as far as the Bourne yeah. comparisons. Yeah. Uh, this the movie kind of comes shot out of a cannon. Like uh, they established a Gina Davis character and like her, like there's like a two minute spiel about like, I'm just your normal average housewife, except for I don't have a memory of eight years ago, but I'm making it work. And then they, and she's, she's hired a, uh, a, a private eye and they smash cut to Samuel L. Jackson who like comes in strong in this movie. Yeah. He's putting a gun on a John and threaten him with, uh, you know, pound you up the ass federal prison, like 
to an ex- excessive amount. So he's uh-huh. wanting to make sure this guy knows <laughs> how many asses. Says, if if I don't like if if they don't send you to federal pound me in the ass prison, I'm gonna hire guys to come ass fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. There there is wow. Wow. An anal fixation in this scene that yeah. is kind of impressive. Um, and I'm like, I'm like thinking like, I don't know how I feel about this. Number one, like I don't know, prostitution. There's a lot, there's a lot worse crimes. Than, sure. And this guy's putting a gun on him and he's threatening him with all this and is leaning on the guy. And then I realize, oh, it's a shakedown. Yeah. He's not a cop. He's hired homeless guys to be his backup deputies and one of them's throwing up. And mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 a great introduction into both of these characters, and it's kind of interesting. There's a symmetry there because both of these, like, you got a school teacher and a private eye, but not like a Sam Spade private eye, like a private eye who is more of a a scam artist, mm-hmm. a flim flam man, and they are both going to uh, uh, climb the mount the, the 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 badass mountain together until they have like no shit skills. I don't know. Yeah. Like Gina Davis makes sense because she's like always had them. But Sam Jackson just turns into kind of like a murder machine because he's Sam Jackson, I think. Right. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I didn't have a huge problem with that. Yeah. And he's, he's <laughs> uh, not like the murder machine in the same way. Like Gina Davis is still protecting him, even in the scenes mm, where he's kind of badass. Right. But does he would get his ass shot a lot faster without her? Yeah. And there's cool. Like, I, I like how. um they show the change in Gina Davis, you know, like they they put her in this position yeah. where she gets in a car wreck and, um, you know, they show that, that, that this like this this traumatic, violent event has started to shake loose the traumatic, violent events of her past. And suddenly she goes from this kind of like mousy housewife to she's walking barefoot in ankle deep snow across a frozen pond and she, or no a stream. And she snaps a deer's neck mm-hmm. and it's like. That's the that's how the movie subtly plays that there's something more to to her former life because it's not right. even because I, I when the car was set up, I'm like, is this has something to do with her? But no, it's just this guy's getting handsy with her and it causes a well, it doesn't even cause a wreck. It distracts her from running over a deer. Um, yeah. Kind of an yeah. insane scene. Uh, and then she just like goes back home to her, you know, husband and daughter, uh, her normal like school teacher life. And then there's the even though it killed somebody scene. like there, there's like there, there should have been like this was a significant wreck that led to a man burning to death. Right. She left her and car. I, what did she do with her car? Because it was smashed against I, a tree. How did she get home? I, yeah. None yeah, of those yeah, questions yeah. matter in this movie, apparently, uh, or or they didn't come up in Shane Black's head because that's not on screen. But she goes home and it leads to one of the most intensely crazed chopping scenes i've ever seen like uh food preparation scenes because she's like the crash has shaken loose some of those memories of being a a cia assassin and now she's like chopping vegetables very well like she's very good with a knife yeah she picks up the chicken i I don't know why knife in, in shane black's mind apparently just being able to handle a knife is equal in all scenarios like if you can gut a fish with a knife quickly you can also chop a vegetable or slice a man's throat just as efficiently because why would a cia assassin be good at chopping vegetables 
It's like Dutch in the movie Predator. Uh, he sticks some dude to a post with a machete and says, stick around. Like, I, I, can he do Julianne fries? Right. <laughs> right. Probably not. But the, like, the energy out, in this scene. Can he do a slap chop chopper? Like, I, I don't think so. It's just, it's insane. She's like got these wide eyes and she's, they're getting every this, vegetable out of the fridge to toss it to her so she can chop it. That's the it. thing. She's she's keeps on there's there's like circus music playing. Uh-huh. And she's also kept on like she's she's like, look at what I can do. She fine chops this tomato. She's like, more. And her husband's like, okay. So her and her daughter him and his daughter just start throwing her like like we just went to a hibachi restaurant and she's and and like that's the thing. It's like there's such such a manic energy in how they're like um you know revealing the fact that she's got these superpowers. And then at the end, like she throws up a, a tomato and then like skewers it to the wall, which is that's something I believe a, C- a CIA secret agent could do. Sure. Um. But yeah, chefs chefs can do that. I do wonder about. Oh, yeah, that's that's hilarious. She just yeah says chefs can do that, and I, I do wonder if Gina Davis actually like could do all of this stuff because because there's a no shit like impressive display of chopping going on here like it might be sped up like 20 percent maybe oh, but it's still pretty it. fast they undercrank the cuts probably so but it also seems like gina davis is actually chopping these vegetables and at a yeah, high they, clip they, they pan up and i think they could have hit a cut but i was doing my, my research and it was a point of pride when she was doing kind of similar to um what you see with like Tom Cruise, where I actually yeah. did all of my stunts. And that's the thing. Like I, when she assembles that gun later in the movie, I'm like, Oh shit. She's actually been practiced at this. Like the actor. Yeah. Had. yeah she, I, so that's why I'm saying, like, I think that y- she probably put in the little sweat equity to get good at like that little chopping technique where you kind of guide the blade with your knuckles and you just touch, 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 touch. Um, I yeah. never, I, I, I've practiced a lot. I can never get that shit down. I feel like I'm going to cut my knuckles you off every here. time. So I, I think just, she I just, might've cause she's got a bandaid on her finger in that scene. That's oh, gone in other scenes. I, I think she might've cut herself during that scene, but still it was impressive. Yeah. I am with you. Yeah. I, I can't chop that fast. Cause I don't want to cut myself. Um, they, they set up the scene where, so she's, uh, she's Miss Claus at the, at the, at the town festival for Christmas. And she looks like a million bucks. She is such a sexy Mrs. Claus. They and she gets that. on TV. Huh? They literally say that. Yeah. They're like, do they really sex? Okay. The, yeah, the kids are like, uh, Miss Claus is hot or whatever. Yeah. Damn straight. Um, and, uh, there's a one eyed man in prison that sees this. And, uh, they also have this guy, um, played by Keg, Craig Birko. He's another CIA fixer agent scumbag. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his lackeys calls him and says, you know, this one eyed man escaped from prison. And he's like, it's because he saw something disturbing on television. And Craig says, uh, so have I. It's called Nightwatch. Get to the fucking point. Oh, or no. Baywatch, Baywatch Nights. Nights. Yeah. It's called Baywatch Nights. Get to the fucking point. And I thought that was such a fucking uh clunker line of dialogue delivered like like a clunker <laughs> craig is just like yeah like this is one step above biff tanner saying you know make like a screen door and leave mm-hmm. like it just felt like he fucked up some kind of like badass line of reference um i don't know i guess shane th- black hates baywatch nights he well that's awful that's awful rich for shane black to be shitting on some poorly written action show Mm-hmm. With a with a with a syndicated show budget, not even network budget, <laughs> right? Um, Craig Bierko has like crazy eyes, mm-hmm. 
and like a, a mid nineties mullet, like not full on but like, you know, kind of like curly fringe at the end. Um, I feel like if they had a slightly menacing and actually menacing bad guy to go up against Gina Davis, this movie would be another half star better. I thought Craig did not do a great job. I think so. I don't know. Um, I didn't have a big problem with him. I I feel like David Morse might have been the better villain in this. I mean, David Morse is just good all around. Every time I see him. I like him. Yeah. He's also got that pr- intimidating physical presence. Like him menacing Gina right. Davis would have like I never never thought this guy could take Gina Davis as as presented in this film. Yeah, you never see him doing really cool stuff like you do her, but I, I don't know. I liked him. I didn't have a problem with yeah. uh Craig Bierko. Huh. Yeah, to me it's a little bit of a commando problem where I just didn't buy mm. Bennett. You know, it's like this guy, he's yeah. not that bad, but he's he's pretty he's pretty bad. <laughs> didn't wear a mesh tank top. Yeah. So, um, so that opening scene where you you're talking about Mrs. Claus on the mm-hmm. the float the the parade float that that's what I think makes this a Christmas movie because otherwise all the Christmas stuff is incidental but the fact that they spot her on the Christmas float and and that's how they know that she's still alive to me yeah. is what actually makes this you could legitimately claim that this is a Christmas movie because it has I all mean, the trappings like of Christmas three... but then the plot is directly influenced by the fact that it is Christmas. There's also at least three Christmas songs, and like I said, uh-huh. she's swinging around by Christmas lights at the climax of the movie. I think it's definitely it's at least as Christmassy as like um, Lethal um, Weapon, uh, Lethal Weapon, or uh, Catch Me If You Can. That's another one that people have been probably okay. calling a Christmas movie of late. And I, yeah, as long as you have like as Christmas is a central central motif, and I feel like it is. It's the setting for sure. Oh, yeah. But it's got to have Christmas music. It does. It's got to have Christmas decorations. It does. It has to have snow and kind of blustery. And it's got check, 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 all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. I want to talk about the politics of this movie okay. because they're a mess. Like they're introduced early. The president, they cut to the president's office. They go cut to the White House. I'm like, Jesus Christ, how does this Gina Davis thing go all the way to the top? And the president is dra- dressing down the CIA over some failure. And he's like, and this is in 1996, right? Yeah. This is before the ne- the ne- Nether Gulf War. This is before 9-11. I'm not sure why everyone is pissed off at the intelligence community in 1996. But the president is like haranguing them and like, you you guys suck. We can't trust you. Uh, you you want your and, – and the CIA is like, well, we're, the reason we, we suck so bad is because we don't have enough funding. And the president looks at him and is like – you know what happened to your funding? Can you say healthcare? When? When did that happen? That's what I want to know. I'm like, what? It, we are they living we, in the same America uh, I'm living in? Yeah. Did, did they live in the like the, the 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 in America where like we kept up with the what's going on in continental Europe and like started doing public safety uh, uh, nets and 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 universal healthcare because like. 
dude, I don't I don't know who's getting the CIA's funding, but it sure as shit ain't healthcare. No. Um I know no. I got Medicare, Medicaid, it's, and all that stuff, but still. It's the military that's just getting the CIA's funding, if anybody is. And then so the rest of so the 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 movie plays on and Gina Davis is trying to frantically figure out why the CIA is interested and why people are trying to keep killing her and she comes across this plot uh which is like I don't even understand how they she's been on ice for 8 years and she comes back and she's ready to disrupt the linchpin mission which is the CIA is going to detonate a bomb at Niagara Falls and kill 5000 people or so and blame it on Islamic terrorists which again feels like late in terms of like Gulf War hysteria but mm-hmm. like way early in terms of post 9/11 hysteria this movie felt like it kind of was prescient or late or I, I don't it's I'm something. lucky for them that was relevant for the last like 30 years but that's true yeah that's true. um it, is that Operation is kind of that Honeymoon? Yes. What, Operation what is Honeymoon. Operation Honeymoon? Okay. It, Operation so it is Honeymoon the is false flag is operation in, they're doing. Yeah, Niagara Falls, which is the honeymoon destination of the world, apparently. Right. right. Um, you know, according to Superman and, and this movie. Because uh, I wasn't sure because they make a deal about her potentially being married to or being engaged rather to David Morse, who in fact right. turns out to be Dayless. So I thought maybe she was on Operation Honeymoon eight years ago because they just the, the term was bad. To, the term was very bad. Yeah. It was very confusing. And, it, and there's another scene where the CIA is kind of laying this out and they're like, have you ever heard of the World Trade Center bombing? That was a, they kind of rattled off yeah. and like essentially the CIA is responsible for every kind of like fucking false flag thing that's happened in the last 30 years. Yeah, uh, it's I don't know, <laughs> like. It could be an interesting concept in the hands of someone who was a little less campy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I, I thought it was interesting because like, yeah, like, like Jason Bournes and and James Bonds even will go on to add a little bit more nuance to their their global politics and stuff. And yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of reasons for the CIA to be fuckers Um, getting securing funding. It's it's usually but I don't know what do you want to do in in a brainless action flick? Talk about like you know, the conflict between America's principles and their interests and all that. Probably not. So it's, yeah, it's just for funding. There's this yeah. one. They, they come across like uh, TV execs that are like battling for like sweeps, sweeps uh, week. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we got to have a big sexy explosion to bring the viewers in so we can secure the, the Q3 uh, advertising budget. It's just, it's so fucking mundane. Yeah. Everyone in this movie has a spectacular entrance. We talk about Sam Jackson coming in thre- threatening ass fuckings left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Brian Cox's sixty second dog asshole licking monologue? They're always vulgar too, is what I have in my notes. Yes, yes. Like yeah, this happens like six separate times where they 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 talk about like Brian Cox. I mean, I mean, that's the joke. Like we cut to Brian Cox. I think he's having dinner with his mother. Mm-hmm. He's like some kind of CIA like desk jockey, but surprising like you know with with some 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 decent amount of CIA skills. And he's just haranguing her about he's having dinner at the table and his dog is licking its butthole the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he goes in like a depth about like the depth and the length. And the futility or the inevitability of the consumption of the asshole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> think if Agent Smith were describing a dog licking its asshole. That's kind mm-hmm, of what mm-hmm. you get. It's here. the smell. Uh-huh. I, I feel like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm permeated by the asshole licking. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um. Uh. Yeah, and you expect that from a Sam Jackson introduction, I think. But 
I don't know. They, they do it with what's, basically every character. And what's great about Brian Cox is he's really good at playing the heavy bad guy. And mm-hmm. they do this like, kind of like twist thing where, uh, you know, Gina Davis and Sam Jackson don't trust him because, of course, they're in this CIA um, complete and, you know, fucking nightmare situation. But he actually is trying to help him. He's got their best interest at mind. And that's the other thing is like I, I found myself in the middle of the movie struggling to keep up with what we were learning about Gina Davis and relationships. Like was Brian Cox, her old handler. Is he the one good guy in the CIA? And like, you know, he's the one good cop. It's not taken bribes. Like I, I didn't understand why he was wanting to help them. Right. And then there's Mr. Perkins. So he trained her, right? Um, he so says he is that her kind of like movie. a handler. Well, mentor. he was at some point, certainly early in her career, but on, Whatever operation she was on, not Operation Honeymoon, which you also could call this Operation Honeymoon, but whatever she was doing with Daedalus, her handler, I think, was Mr. Perkins, who's the guy Mm. that she calls and then also doesn't trust. Right. She doesn't trust anybody. Um, So she has two different. Yeah. People that she goes to who I might call handlers in this movie. And it does get a little confusing in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Um, They do a couple of things. Over and over. There, there are very like repetitious things in this movie. Like they have some kind of, I don't know if Shane Black has a fear of like losing his sight and his ability to use his legs or something, but that's kind of all over this movie. Like she, there, there's this one eyed Jack guy who she stabbed in the eye with uh, right. some, some needle that he was coming after her with. Um, th- Another Kill Bill hom- uh, or a pre, pre Kill Bill homage or backwards homage, whatever. <laughs> yeah. There, there's something, uh, where I, I, is it David Morris says I'll blind the kid and shoot out her knees. Oh um, yeah. So that's like both of those things. And then when she comes up with this gun uh, from the water and shoots David Morris, she shoots him in the knee first. Mm. Um, and it, th- there's just like a lot of r- r- repetitive motifs in this, I think. And one of those is also, when she's doing cool things with a gun, it's like it's like they said, okay, she does, she's a really good shot, and she can basically shoot anything. Let's use that multiple times in this movie. And there are several scenes, like the one you described, where she's using the counterweight and flying up in the air and shooting the guy in the helicopter. There's one on a lake, right, where she's ice skating, and there's a car chase happening with Sam Jackson being chased by some bad guys, and she skates across the lake, and while she's skating she shoots the guys out of the car and then there's the scene on the bridge. And then there's also the scene where she grabs Brian Cox's, uh, Brian Cox's Cox gun. Yeah. His uh, groin it, gun. Yeah. takes, takes the gun out <laughs> of his waistband or, you know, strapped to his inner thigh or whatever, which just looks like she's going for the chode. Like totally. I, I understand what she's going because they established yeah. that like Brian Cox is like, I keep one, one gun on my hip, one on my ankle, and one against my ball sack because most men won't frisk you yeah. there. And, and that like, comes back so. and it works out and it th- that's yeah, fine. Yeah. But but they have her on this water wheel, right, where they're dunking her underwater, torturing her, and she comes up and shoots the guy while the water wheel's still rolling. And, like, it, I guess that shows prowess, uh, but they use the same thing over and over again, right? Yeah. Like, let's have her yeah. shoot while she's moving because that's cool. Mm-hmm. And like precision shots, like shooting a grenade in a hallway, which uh, maybe we should break down the ridiculous action scenes. 
Sure. Uh, this is an early one before her memories have fully come back where they're her and Sam Jackson are trying are being held um, in a building and to get away from it. She throws a grenade down, shoots it. There's the slowest grenade explode. First of all, it's a grenade explosion that is massive. It's the size of a thousand pound bomb. And it's and mostly fire. Yeah. It's mostly fire that's slowly growing down the hallway because Sam and her can hobble. Like she's helping him, like assisted mobility, and they jump out of like a six story, I don't know, like a like a fucking um uh Holiday Express, Holiday Inn Express, six mm-hmm. story kind of mot- uh, hotel window, and they're going towards a frozen river, and she pulls out her gun and shoots it like twelve times to put holes in it, and they smash through that ice and, and live. Yeah. That I, there's not like I, if you had an automatic weapon going, you know, dropping a couple of clips, I don't think you would soften up that ice enough to do anything about it hitting. It reminded me uh, of uh, Underworld when Kate Beckinsale yeah. shoots through the floor, right? Just shoots a circle and, around and, herself. And Kate Beckinsale is a vampire, right? Yeah. Like that. There, there's like that's the thing is like they did so many superhuman things in this movie, but didn't give any rationale for them being superhuman. Mm-hmm. Another example. Um, they get Gina Davis dead to rights, and she has to like she she she's um she's backing away. Uh, they've lured her here to try to save Samuel L. Jackson and her daughter. And as she gets into the middle of their trap, they throw a bunch of lights, and she's surrounded by a hundred goons. She fights backwards, and she falls into this coal chute that takes her into a, the basement. And she just blindly fires all around, uh, and then they turn on the lights, and they're just surrounded by kerosene drums. Which are now leaking, yeah. She did that on purpose, Mm -hmm. because later she sets that stuff off right as they're about to kill Samuel L. Jackson, and she's in the basement. Somehow she survives. This explosion goes, and... Samuel Jackson's in the middle of the third floor. Mm-hmm. Somehow it blows him out the giant picture window behind him. <laughs> through the sign. He's up three stories the now. Sign. Through the motel sign, he just blows through this neon thing, hits a tree, mm-hmm. Plinko chips down through the fucking tree limbs, hits the ground, and then nails somebody with a throwing knife. Yeah. <laughs> Which he has never, like, it's not he, he had a gun. Like, I, like, I was like, how... How did he survive? How do you survive with the wherewithal to hit somebody with a knife in the forehead, like right in the O-ring? Yeah. It's insane. Um, and like Gina Davis, maybe, but how did this motherfucker? He's not a lethal weapon. Yeah, it's true. No, he seems to have picked up some of her skills by osmosis. Uh, and I contrast that with the scene where, like, Gina Davis throws him out of the car. Um because like the, she's, why does she she's throw him out of the mission car. he doesn't want to go on the mission or something and she just throws him and out because like they they established that the, the um the spy version the samantha version that gina davis is a real asshole like they have her be extremely rude to her child like you know her child's trying to learn how to ice skate and she just shoves her on the ice when she falls down and says she's not having fun she's like you gotta toughen up you little baby mm-hmm. so like it's weird because Samuel Jackson's kind of like, man, this is fucked up. I'm not sure if I signed off with this. And she's like, oh, good. Opens the door and just shoves him out. <laughs> and then he just lays <laughs> in the street for like and, and two lights minutes. a cigarette. Lights a cigarette. Looking like staring up at the sky while cars are honking and going around him. I thought it was hilarious. Did you think that there's some kind of a weird will they won't they sexual energy around mm-hmm. Gina Davis and Sam Jackson that I'm not sure why they oh, yeah. didn't just consummate because they establish her. 
with his boyfriend who seems like a good guy, but he's just an average guy, right? Mm-hmm. And Samuel Jackson's a bit of a badass. And when she makes, when she turns into this badass secret agent, she starts hitting on him and like trying to manipulate him sexually. And you know the the titular long kiss good night she gives him fairly passionately before they think they're both going to die. But then they just completely go away from that, and she's back with her boring ass husband with her boring ass life at the end of the movie. Do you think there's a cut where there was a little bit more romance there, and that we didn't have that? Because because they 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 you told me that they completely changed the ending of this movie. They did, yeah. Apparently, they killed uh, Mitch Sam Jackson's character, and audiences didn't like mm-hmm. that test screening audiences. So they changed it and made him live. Uh, I I don't know, man, because there's. There's something where he's like protective of her old identity, right? Like he wants her to be the school teacher as opposed to the assassin. Because that's and the night. That's what a that's that's she's happier or that's more of a ladylike thing. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, yeah. they don't do a great job explaining why he feels that way. Um, it's just like he because he's hired by her when she has her school teacher persona to find out information about her past life. Um, cause she can't find it. She's hired all the other detectives. He's the last one in the long line. And, and I get the impression that like they have a prior relationship as Sammy or whatever her name is. Um, Samantha, hmm. it hmm. might be, I, I don't know. Um, in, in her past or her new life as an amnesiatic school teacher. And so he's like taken, taken to her. Um, hmm. and he doesn't want that to change. And, and in that scene where they don't consummate this relationship, he says as much, right? He says basically like, if we do this, your old persona is dead and I don't want to be the person kills that kills it. that. Right, right. And, and that that to me was like, the you talk about the titular uh, long kiss goodnight. She says something there where the long kiss goodnight is like kissing her old identity goodnight. And becoming this assassin, so I think that's part of it. But her new old identity, her old new identity. Yeah, yeah, Kiss, kissing her right because at that point she's changing back into Charlie. I don't so they they have the other thing I was confused by is they have Craig Birko. You know, he's this crazy eyed uh, CIA officer, and there's this part in the movie where Gina Davis is trying to get emotional advantage over him, and she says. You know, you don't want to kill us because guess what? My daughter is actually your daughter, mm-hmm. which came, comes out of nowhere. It doesn't really have anything to do. And it, but it does give me this great scene where Craig Berko grabs this girl and like, pulls him close. And they do a very like kudos to the casting. This little girl's got the exact same crazy eyes that he does. And they yeah. specifically said, check out his eyes. And he looks and they pan back and forth. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's got the same eyes. But. It doesn't really impact the rest of the movie. It doesn't get her out of the jam. It doesn't, like, there's no more, like, uh, it's not like there's any, you know, twinge of uh, paternal (laughs) instinct or anything like that. The only thing it does is serve to make him look like more of a dick, right? Because he recognizes that this is probably his daughter and doesn't uh, do anything about it. Decides to still kill her anyway. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, it this makes guy's you hate like, him more. This guy's lines, like I, I already mentioned the other one where the guy's like, I saw he saw something disturbing on TV. So have I, Baywatch Nights, get to the point. Mm-hmm. When he's torturing Gina Davis on the water wheel, which triggers her ultimate transformation into the, the her spy alter ego, 
she's like, because he's 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 David Morse and him are doing this creepy stuff about like how a woman's face is most beautiful when it's contorted to pain. And she's like, well, just let me and my daughter go, and I'll make any face you want. And he <laughs> says, he says, let's not and say we did. That like, was a very '90s thing. It's a it's a Pee Wee Herman line, man. It totally is. Like, it's, I was it's right in, there with I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> I was Let's absolutely say saying this exact line in like junior high school. That's so these movies are because this is something that Roger Ebert pointed out in his review mm-hmm. that this movie is written for 14 year old boys yep. or people who have still are in touch with their inner 14 year old boy. Sure. I, that check, check, check for me for sure. Yep. I like but that's exactly I like this movie. I, I to me when I oh man were you attracted to movies like this because they use this kind of lingo because I feel like yeah that's shit that we'd say as kids but it felt cringy in context at the time but I, I can't really remember I don't remember either I want to say it was probably attractive yes when I was in middle school and watching movies like this I was probably like hell yeah that's something I'd say to my friend but I don't remember um, what did you think about Gina Davis escaping her frozen uh, in, in, in tomb entrapment? You know, she's shoved in this industrial freezer. They, they shove it to like negative 80 degrees. Her and her child are going to freeze in 10 minutes. Her child has been carrying this this doll, this Betsy Wetsy doll. Uh-huh. Did they establish that she filled that full of kerosene or did that just kind of happen in the basement? They sort of establish it. She looks around. She looks at the doll and then they cut. So there's an implication there that she has an idea, but we don't know what it is until this scene. Okay. I must've been taking a note because when she whipped out that baby, because I'm like, okay, she's, she's (laughs) digging a trench underneath the door. Uh I'm not sure why Craig Bierko is not like busting through the door and be like, what the fuck are you doing? It sounds like you're doing heavy. I, I literally shut this door two seconds ago and you've, you're Bob Delian in in here. What the hell's going on? She takes out this doll and like starts spraying its piss everywhere. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, Okay, make it a piss trench. Okay. <laughs> and then it turns out, yeah, it's the kerosene. That's uh, I was really lost there for a minute. I, I don't know if this is a sign of a good script or a bad script, uh, but that's another recurring motif, right? The pants pissing. Like that, that kid mm, pisses you're his right. pants uh, they, they, earlier when Gina Davis threatens him uh, yeah, over the smoking. Yeah, yeah. And, and then there's also dick trauma threats sprinkled throughout this movie like sam jackson almost gets his crotch impaled with a knife uh people get kicked in the balls and talking about it i was thinking my balls hurt i hope that's not what you're thinking (laughs) all that stuff yeah (laughs) there are definitely recurring motifs that are like okay all right man it is again for 14 year old boys like dick this is nuts i mean that's a line you write for 14 year old boys the 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 piss themselves laughing but you're right that, Um, that scene was interesting they yeah you know, I, I talk about this um these action scenes with people that are doing these crazy ragdoll things with no explanation there is a scene that's right out of terminator 2 where like uh gina davis wrecks this uh truck that's been rigged to explode there's this massive explosion and you know she yanks it over sideways and she's surfing it and she's it's, it's just like Ar- arnold schwarzenegger in terminator 2 Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he's sur- he's sur- you know remember when he's surfing the cryo tank uh, thing into the factory and then yep. he it hits the factory and he goes tumbling. 
she does that exact same stunt, almost shot for shot, except for she's not a Terminator. Yeah. She's just a flesh and blood. Like, I couldn't believe. I was like, well, what are they going to do when she hits the end of this? And she hits the end and she just goes flying onto the concrete. Mm-hmm. Tumble, 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 tumble. She's fine. She's fine. No no problems at all. Yeah. I don't know. She tucked and rolled. Well, I guess she's not fine. She's pretty fucked up because the next scene yes. I got notes on is, okay, I know that you have a big bugaboo when a character dies and they're brought back with what do you call it? The kiss of life. Yeah. The power of love or some, the power some of shit. love. What, what about the power of bullying and hate? Is that acceptable to bring someone back from the death? Because it, her yeah, when da- her daughter gets up there and is like, you're not dead. Get, stop being a baby. Get up. Yeah. Like she parrots the emotional bullying that her mom did her when she was turning evil. And the movie plays it as if it's like, this heroic moment like her daughter's bullying her back to life stop faking you little baby you need to get up and fight uh and the entire time i'm just thinking both on the ice skating scene when she is telling her daughter this for the first time and this scene where her daughter is parroting it back to her Mm -hmm. i was thinking you have fucked this child up for life like this child at this point is going to be scarred by by your philosophies (laughs) Well, I want to talk about that in a minute, but to, to, yeah. to, to bridge that, like Gina Davis' uh, body convulses the life from the hatred pumped into it by her her mm-hmm. only child, her adorable little nine-year-old girl. Yes. And then Gina Davis grabs her and like holds her and hugs her and then says, you're grounded. And then they cut <laughs> to the next scene. <laughs> it's perfect. What the, what the fuck, man? That's so crazy. Because I'm here's the thing. You. The end of this movie, um, like Samuel L. Jackson looks like he's dying because in mm-hmm. the original cut of this movie, he was like, he looks like he's fatally injured. Gina Davis is like blood pouring down out of her. Like this child is like they're They are running across the friendship bridge between us and Canada. Uh, and they're outrunning what's essentially like the Independence Day explosion. Dude. Remember like the the they they the, cars the, the fire sign. Oh crap. And you just see like this big thing of flame and cars are flipping in the rear. Samuel Jackson's seen that in a rear view mirror and he's just outrunning it. Yeah. In a fucking Buick or something. Um and they've barely survived, and the child is sitting there traumatized, and Samuel Jackson's face poured with blood, and he's like, Hey princess, and the girl they they play this like it's a happy ending, mm-hmm. but no one escapes. Like, there's no way this little like I I think that's interesting about a lot of the the 80s and 90s and aughts action films is they present these families going through these horrific scenarios, and because the dad or the mom prevails and they killed everybody and everyone's covered with blood and ash and explosion and soot, it's a happy ending just because people lived. Yeah, but they don't have a normal life anymore. It's just that's done. the thing. That's the thing. And they, they portray it as if like problem solved. Right. We blew up all of the CIA problem solved. There's no retribution yes. coming. Yeah. We got all the bad guys and all the good guys are on yeah. our side. Um, yeah. And then we can go back to this idyllic life in, in the middle of nowhere. Say, I have the You're same problem with Peacemakers season one ending and I won't talk mm. too much about it. But there is. A similar ending to that where I don't believe that the public and the powers that be would allow them to just kind of do this and be mm. okay with it. Um, okay. And and maybe season two we'll find out 
something yeah. that that's not actually true. But in this movie, that's true, right? They they to the point where when she's living her idyllic life, the CIA yeah. calls her up and offers her a job in the State Department. The president, the president, the offers president, her a State right. Department job, right? Yeah, calls her personally, offers her a State Department job, and she turns it down. And everybody is just totally okay with her exercising, you know, her her personal agency in that moment, like. You, motherfucker, you're an asset. Away, if, if you yeah. try this in Jason Bourne's life, you would never, you wouldn't get an inch out the door before you've got six assassins on your ass trying to kill you. Like, yeah, what does that even mean to take out the CIA? Exactly. Like, she you took know. out all the bad elements. You're telling me that every single person involved in this scheme was on that bridge in the moment where you blew it up and you got them all? Well, because this isn't like this isn't like a, a treadstone operation treadstone, which is like a black op within a black op of the CIA. That's the whole Jason Bourne thing. Like this, uh-huh. like we saw the de- the director of the CIA briefing the president and the deputy director. Like this is just the CIA. Yeah, and they're doing this to so, bolster their budget for the next fiscal quarter or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. They didn't use all their budget. Now the president says he's going to cut it. Um, yeah, I do have a problem like, with that. But it, like I said, it's it's funny. Like these things. Like I, I'm I'm telling you how ridiculous this stuff. Not in like this movie is bad. Although again, this movie isn't good. It's more of like it's one of those things where it's funny like it's entertaining mm-hmm. how ridiculous it is it's it's and it, it, this movie that's the other thing it's like I, I went in this movie thinking it'd be like a jason Bourne or like a, a daniel craig james bond or like uh like even maybe la femme nikita and what i got was just like almost austin powers and once like <laughs> sure. i got over that initial 15 20 minutes of mm-hmm. like this is not what i was expecting i kept on like i started cheering for them outrunning the independent day explosions. And, yeah, and this totally. thing is like the, the movie gets itself in trouble in putting itself in predicaments as no business. Like no one put a, sh- a gun to the director writer's head and says, you need to make this explosion look like independence day. Like that's clearly what they're Dude. going for because that movie came out the year before. Mm-hmm. But like they, they're like this movie, this, this is just a simple bomb that's supposed to kill 4,000 people. What the fuck? And then when they go to the widescreen, it is, it's just like a, you know, like a modest size explosion. And no, they make yeah. it appear huge, like in the rear view mirror. I mean, it's, it's, it's not more exciting. It's actually less exciting to do explosions this way where people are just like, there is no danger. The, the explosion goes at the, whatever speed it needs to be maximally exciting, quote unquote, and yet still survivable. Um, the part I like the most this, was the, the falling car bombs. Like it's through so mm. many cars up in the air and now they're like dodging these cars <laughs> as they drop out of the sky, exploding in micro explosions in front of them. It's, yeah, I, I thought yeah. it was pretty cool, but that's just me. I thought it was cool, cool too, but it's one of those things where like this movie could have been, this movie could have been a Jason Bourne with like a little bit oh, less, sure. like like if you spent five minutes thinking about why the CIA might be up to no good, mm-hmm. um, and you scaled, ironically, you scaled the stunts back a little bit, uh, and yeah. this movie suddenly becomes grand because I thought some of the fights, like the knife work and uh, Gina Davis, like you, you mentioned, like assembling these guns and doing secret agent stuff, she looks pretty good kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gina just, Davis. Everything was set up to ridiculous levels. She's an interesting actor. I, mm. I, I never really considered myself myself a big Gina Davis fan in the past. Although, I've like I said, I've watched a fair amount of her stuff recently and. 
I'm, I'm getting more into the Gina Davis spirit. She's got kind of two gears, which I really appreciate. She's got the, what is it? Samantha is her name in this movie yeah. in her school teacher life. She's got that gear where she can be like an Andy McDowell type of, um, you know, really charming, really nice person. And then she's got yeah. like a Sigourney Weaver in aliens kind of gear where she can yeah. kick ass and be just like take charge and, and murder people. And she flips between those pretty seamlessly. I, I was really impressed by her actually in this movie. And she can do it like, cause there's, you know, she's, she can do that in like uh, this goofy kind of way, like female empowerment mm-hmm. way. And she can do it in like an Oscar winning way. And, and Thelma and Louise, um, huh. because she's got, she's that. also got that like really pulp gear versus the prestigious gear. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I've always, I've always thought she's a, she's a, she, she's a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. in fact, you know, this movie didn't do very well. This is like one of the biggest box office flops of all time. And I noticed that like some people blame, there's a lot of reasons people blamed, you know, uh, whenever you have a flop like this. But one of the things I thought was compelling was the idea that Cutthroat Island, which was this big budget kind of pirate movie that Gina Davis headlined the year before bombed. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, because she had a pretty long run of, of success there, like, you know, starting with the fly Beetlejuice, earth girls are easy. Thelma and Louise league of their own Tootsie. And then she gets a cutthroat Island and she's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that thing kind of bombed. And then you have this guy who was well known for writing, uh, uh, all these action movies and you had a director who's well known for writing all these action or for directing all these action movies and you got Gina Davis who's his bankable star and Cutthroat Island kind of but I've never seen Cutthroat Island either um, I, either. I don't know how because like I don't know how this is rated R so that's why I didn't see that I wasn't allowed to see rated R movies in this period of my life Yeah, but Cutthroat Island I'm pretty sure is PG-13 and I'm not sure why I didn't see that because I loved all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies I was there opening night I I think I was in favor of pirate movies back then. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it was cut. Was Cutthroat Island rated R too? It's PG thirteen. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a weird short lived genre of Gina Davis action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's not that weird. Like Uma Thurman did that thing too. Sure. Where like she was like kicking ass in Kill Bill, and that's kind of an aberration in her career for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Um, what else do we want to talk about in terms of the Long Kiss Goodnight? Uh, there are a couple of other like minor things that I want to talk about. Like there's a scene where one eyed Jack breaks into it's right after the scene where she shames and bullies her daughter into ice skating. Uh, one eyed Jack breaks into her house and starts shooting the place up, trying to kill her. He's got this shotgun and he's, he's shooting like normal. What I think of as shotgun, uh, shells at one point, but then he fires off what I can only describe as like, a ultra destructive flare from his shotgun that blows a perfect Dude. circular hole in the wall that Gina Davis can then jump out of. And then he switches back to just firing regular shotgun bullets. I don't, I don't know what happened there. I don't understand it. That I had to say, I, did, I didn't think it was worth mentioning in my notes. I'm glad you did because that looked like, you know, the predators main shoulder cannon round. Yes. It's just like rotoscoped, blue lozenge looking thing like something Mega Man would shoot out of his cannon it I don't I I, 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 I don't know what the fuck they were suggesting like has everyone <laughs> have shot a shotgun before or was this like a special like super shotgun load that's like kind of like got a laser I don't know they could I, just had him shoot 
a couple of times in that direction, and I would have believed based on the the river There's jump scene where she stuff. shoots out the ice that she could have just like muscled her way through that wall after shooting it a couple times. There's a lot of weird stuff. Like he shot the fridge with a shotgun, and like the 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 way they did the damage in this movie looked cheap. Like yeah. uh, when Samuel L. Jackson's getting blown out of a window, it looks very composite and green screeny. And we're only two years away from the matrix at this point. Right. They could do a better job as with the money that they spent on this fucking movie. They could have, I feel like they could have done a better job, but yeah, I had a big, I have no idea what the hell was going on with that. Okay. I thought maybe you knew there was like some munition that would <laughs> do some that. Some glowing uh, blue shotgun munition. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then also they do the thing it's, in this it's movie. It's winter fresh. <laughs> they put, oh, they put winter green. It's a winter green load. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas round, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ho, 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 motherfucker. That's what happens when you stuff a shotgun barrel full of holly and fire it. Uh, There's also very Home Alone, too, because that guy comes yeah. in. He's like you know, the one-eyed guy, and he's scarred, and he comes in. And this this home is very Home Alone-looking. And he's got this shotgun and this gun. He kind of like kind of roars a challenge and he instantly slips on the peanut M&Ms or whatever. And yeah, the villains are pretty dumb in this uh, to the point where especially when she's hasn't turned into the super agent yet. They're like kind of ramping up. They're all uh the initial guys are a little wet bandity. Yeah, for sure. But but then like the the main villain, Timothy, uh, tells decides you know what i'm gonna put her in this fridge i'm gonna freeze her to death and we're gonna leave her body in pennsylvania with her daughter and people just think Mm -hmm. she's a crazy mom who kidnapped her her daughter and they died in the blizzard um but but he puts her in the fridge and then he decides you know what fuck it you're gonna die anyway uh but i'm not gonna put a bullet in you because i want you to die this specific way but i will tell you my Mm -hmm. entire plan I, i will tell you down to like the exact time that it's happening the exact place that it's happening uh, and how long it will the bomb will have to go off? Uh, the ridiculous the detail temperature, of the, plan. the temperature yeah. that it needs to be is at this to actually go off. It's going to be heated up to this, and you have exactly this time. Yeah, it's it's so it's fucking kind of, stupid. Like that was the most mind-numbingly. It's dumb unnecessary thing in this too because none of those details mattered at all. Uh, right when they said, "Oh, it needs to get up to three hundred twenty degrees Celsius before it'll go off," I'm like, "Okay, well, there's going to be this ticking." timer right this ticking clock throughout the movie where we see some kind of temperature gauge somehow and she which we do she uses like the winter to cool it down maybe like the elements are there for like this ticking clock but they never go into it it's just like at midnight it's like a cinderella thing yeah it's pretty dumb uh what do you think of of sam jackson's outfits and what was the in universe (laughs) Like if, he is this Brian Cox dude. pants will fit Sam Jackson. I am a monkey's uncle because <laughs> does he take <laughs> does he take Brian Cox's golfing clothes at one point? Is he, that what? Oh, I, first of all, he looks amazing, <laughs> but I don't buy that. That's in Brian Cox's wardrobe. I don't buy that it nope. fits, and also I don't buy that he brings that many fits that just go dude. like he's got like five or six kind of like Zeus motherfucker level fit fits from, from Jackie Brown. Yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I did appreciate his green fuzzy hat. That was my favorite thing. Oh it, yeah. And it looked like he, he kind of looks like a little bit like he's dressing up to be Elijah from the, the unbreakable series. Like he's like, he's, he's going to start menacing Bruce okay. Willis uh-huh. as a super villain because it had that kind of like, bright greens and vivid purples yeah. and orange like like joker kind of palette for sure i, I think it was just a golf outfit which is yeah, hideous it if it is 
It could have been, but I'll be damned if if he can squeeze it or if uh, he can fit into Brian Hell Cox's no. wardrobe. I mean, Brian Cox is like twice as wide as he is and half as tall. There's no way. Do you want to talk about the scene where uh, Gina Davis catches Samuel Jackson admiring, and they have this like five minute soli- like duet about. Uh, Oh, you saw... I mean, this thing just goes on forever. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. you saw a, a girl's tits. That's the pinnacle. And he's like, yeah, hey, it's just a guy thing. You know, you see the... And she's like, oh, you hang out the door. And he's like, I didn't hang out the door. I just said she's not... Like, I mean, in the day, you either like, look, you're, you're either horny or not. You're looking at people or you're not. Uh, the, 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 you just can't make it they're pe- they're other people's problem. And yeah. like if, if you, you he like Gina Davis is a client of his for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the problem that you notice; it's the fact that you had to take you draw attention to it. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> I, it's such an <laughs> awkwardly written scene, almost like because like a lot of these things are kind of written from the perspective of uh, I feel like the Shane Black thinks that Gina Davis is like a, a buzz joy or a killjoy. Hmm. Okay. Or that, like, there's yeah. only a binary alternative. Like, people have to be asexual beings or they have to be, like, uh, uh, the Jim Carrey in the mask style, like, wolf whistling, tongue coming out their hair, smacking themselves with a giant mallet kind of, like, penis monster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no there's no in-between for Shane in Shane Black's universe. Yeah. He has no time for shades of gray. I mean, for God's sake, his name is Black. Yeah, look at look at Sam Jackson's outfit. Not a gray in sight. <laughs> nope. Vivid Technicolor. All right, that 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 does it for the long kiss. Good night. We kissed it. Good night. We put it to bed. Uh, we are recording this in like uh, in, in a weird place in our schedule because we're trying to float this hundredth uh, anniversary of Nosferatu. I will say that if you are a uh, patron executive producer and you go to our site patreon.com slash bald move, there's likely a vote for next week's. Uh, uh, a, a prestige film. I don't know what those are because I'm chronologically displaced, but that is a new feature we're allowing some of our, our producers to do is to help us. We, we, we give you four prestige films to choose from again, put down a crack pipe, uh, a refrain from meth and alcohol before you make the decision because, because we, we can't, we can't keep going to the shareholders uh, passing off a long kiss. Goods night as, as prestige, as prestige films. So we're gonna we're gonna commit to doing a little bit better picking, but but ultimately the the, the choice is your guys is if you if you if you if you if you deal us pulp, then we're gonna have to squeeze that orange and and make the juice. So uh, check it out that out at patreon.com slash bald move if you're an executive producer to see what vote you can cast for the next prestige film. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.